Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. It seems I've been spending an awful lot of time in Maryland Hall lately because they are changing constantly. And today we're sitting here with two of the change makers in Maryland Hall. We're here with Lucinda Mary Brown and Barbara Weber, who are both with the Compass Rose Theater. And I'm very happy to say that theater is spelled the correct way, E-R at the end. Yes, that's right. <laughs> How are you guys today? Great. We're really good. Thanks. Well, I guess the question now, Lucinda, you are the founder of the theater. So, and, and this has been around for quite some time. And Barbara, you are the relatively new to executive director position. Where does theater fit in the background of both of you? You mean in terms of our personal experience with yeah. theater or in terms yeah. of the theater uh, as, as an institution? Well, I want to, I want to talk about the theater Compass Rose as an institution a right. little bit, but how did you get into the theater? Lucinda? Oh my Lord, I've done theater since I was uh, eight <laughs> so just, just, in your, just in your blood? Well, it's also training. Um, I went to uh, the American Academy uh, in New York for a two-year program. And they uh, it was a very strict program when I went there in the late 60s, which was a long time ago. And the program was a two-year program. And they the first year, they kind of let pretty much whoever auditioned into the program. And then uh, the second year, they only asked back 25% of the class. And we worked uh, in both programs, both years. It was an extraordinarily intense experience. It was the 10-hour days. Um, there was all kinds of instruction all the way from makeup to movement to history of theater to uh, meeting some Broadway stars who did master classes. So it was a fabulous theater background. And uh, I, my graduation, my, my degree is in English from Duke University, uh, which I went back and subsequently got that and got a degree also in education. I then moved to the D.C. area to take my first job, which was the drama director of Sherwood High School in Albany, Maryland. Okay. So I took a teaching position and built a program that started with about 25 kids. And when I finished, I had 600 kids involved in the program. Oh, my word. So then I married and then uh, my kids were born in D.C., but then we moved down to Annapolis. When we moved down to Annapolis, I'm like, well, where's theater? Because I had my own company in D.C. Uh, doing um, – drama with seniors. I taught at a lot of summer camps and I was like, first time I ever started a company was that. I started um, the Mary Company, which is my maiden name. And uh, that was offering classes and workshops to seniors. And we actually expanded that throughout the DC area with going into senior centers and offering classes and improv and various other things. So we did that, got married, moved down to Annapolis and uh, discovered colonial players. Okay. Which I didn't find until... Sometime I'd been here, I want to say two years maybe before I heard about him. Okay. Well, they're and, celebrating like 75, I oh, think, yeah. now at this point. And, and uh, it's, uh, I knew Rick Wade back then, uh, who is the man that wrote Christmas Carol. Right. And he said, You should get involved in theater here. I'm like, Oh, no, 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 I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I can't, you know, I'm just raising my kids. Famous last words. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, I ended up on the board of directors of Colonial Players. 
and in charge of their place selection committee. And I, I met another woman, Janet Luby, and she and I founded the Bay Theater. Okay. And uh, we ran that. I left in 2010. And then I said, I'm never, I'm too tired. I'm just not going to do this anymore. And then the next year I started Compass Road Theater. <laughs> Famous last words. So, so Compass Road Theater actually started in 2011. And you guys have had several homes throughout the years. And I, I know it was sort of introduction you know, interrupted with COVID and as everything was, the whole world was, but you guys have now found a great home here in Maryland Hall. And we were just in the theater next door, which is, I'm going to say opposite center stage of the main theater on the third floor, probably for- way to describe it, yeah. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But it's a fabulous small room. Uh, I know it's so fabulous that the governor and his wife decided to show up last year. So that's pretty impressive. Yes. Yes. Very excited Uh, about that. But how how did Compass Rose start for you? I mean, you said there needed to be another theater company in Annapolis. Well, what happened was uh, I wanted to focus on education. So I founded Compass Rose after I left Bay Theater. I, I founded Compass Rose to be an educational theater company because I felt that there was no professional theater instruction. Well, I, I still feel that there's a lack of professional theater instruction in the area. And it was right at the same time when they were starting those PBA programs at Bates and Brooklyn mm-hmm. Park for the kids. So it was a natural segue for us to have a theater studio that would then develop the education of these children who were signing up to do performing arts. And so I was on the ground floor with creating those programs and sending teachers into Bates and Brooklyn Park uh, PBA programs to, to teach the, the kids in after school programs and some programs during the day. So where that, where that went was I had children involved in the education program and I was able to move all around Annapolis on purpose to offer programming you know, to, at the rec center, at the base, at Brooklyn Park, at Key School, at, you know, all these places, St. Martin's. And I had my teachers going in there teaching. And then my teachers came to me and said, we need to do a play. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, I think, July of 2011. And we had gotten our nonprofit status. So we opened up with a, I needed a place to do the play. That was what prompted finding a space. So uh, I was actually referred to a guy named Dan Litterberg, who uh, owns the Eastport liquor store and the shopping center there. And he was very generous and let us have a free space in there. So our first two years of existence were rent free. And we opened up with Lost in Yonkers because what it did, and we hit upon this, is it incorporated the children and the adults in a professional production. So the kids not only got instruction, they got apprenticeships, basically, to work with professional actors. And these were good actors. They were. I had a guy from Delaware who's an equity member. I'm an equity member of Actors Equity of the Union. I was in the show. Um, there were, I think, five of us in that play. And it just was a beautiful success. So you guys are a professional theater. Correct. I mean, so you're not, this is not, I mean, it could be little Timmy down the street, but I mean, it's not. My next door neighbor, unless he is, happens to be an actor, uh, just because he's a ham, wants to get into a, a play, right? Yes. And and, and the, we will put little Timmy in the play if he's good and he sure. auditions. You know, we don't require that someone have an equity card in order to be in one of our plays. That's not it. However, we have a legitimacy because we have professional people involved, like our teachers, for example. I mean, they have to have a degree in theater. 
they have to have teaching experience, and they have to be working in the in the field. And these these camp directors that you see, they all have they all meet those criteria. So you can't just come teach with us because you've got an education degree degree or uh, you know, you don't, you're not an actor, but you know, you could be a designer and teach with us, but you have to have professional experience, i.e. paid and in a working theater company. That's awesome. That's I mean, that, the that's, requirement. That's, that sets you guys apart from any number of different yeah. organizations. And, 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 and one of the things I was very careful about in, especially, you know, in the beginning was to Maintain a collegial relationship with all the other theaters in town. We're very good friends with Colonial Players. We're very good friends with Summer Garden and, and Bowie and these other theaters that are community theaters. Because it's just a question of mission. It's just a question of purpose. It's not a question of who's better. Well, I don't I, think know. arts is a finite thing either. Well, and unfortunately, arts lends itself to great competition. Because the very experience of auditioning, of going out and putting yourself up against True. all these other people... It's, it's actually good, though, because it, it sharpens the edge of the person involved. So they develop the discipline of working in the theater, which is a discipline, right? <laughs> a huge commitment of time. Yeah. And you're up against a lot of talent. I mean, I've had the pleasure of seeing people come audition. They've flown in from different states all over the country. And they're terrific. But there's only, you know, one person to play Dorothy. <laughs> play, play, play that role, sure. Yeah. There, might, there might be an understudy, but that's uh, yeah, yeah. that that's crazy. Do you consider yourself primarily a production theater company or an educational institution? I think we're, we're a theater. At the end of the day, we're a professional theater. Okay. Um, but, but it's because we're a professional theater that we are able to educate these young people. The, the way people used to learn theater, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Jean-Louis Barreau. He was no. a mime in France in the 50s. He was extraordinarily famous, traveled all over the world. He was fabulous. And he wrote this book called Reflections on the Theater. And he talks about being introduced to the theater by actually kind of moving in. You know, think fan of the opera. I mean, he basically lived at the theater. He worked with the professional actors. That was their training. They didn't have a teacher standing in a classroom saying, this is how you do it. He was actually following around the professionals. So that's basically the model that we follow. We do offer workshops and classes and camps and all of these wonderful things. But the model we're really following is, is that teaching method of learning by being in the room, by hearing, by paying attention, by, you know, and that's why the kids being in the plays is so critical to our mission. You mentioned you've got the camps and the workshops and the classes and everything else. And obviously the tickets and the productions and everything else. The website is compassrosetheater.org and there's nothing special about the spelling there. And that has all of the information there. But how has your experience been here at Maryland Hall? Well, we've only been here since November. November. Yeah. So you've had, you've got one show under your belt here. Two. Two. Okay. We did the sneeze, which was fan which is how I met Compass Rose. Yes. Okay. I can tell you that story. Talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so I I can't. Why did I come to the sneeze? I'm trying to remember. I that. asked uh, you. We, we were looking for box <gasps> office volunteers. That's right. That's right. So I came to volunteer, and I went and watched the show, and I thought, "Oh my God, I could have been in D.C. watching this show. This is so fabulous! Like, does everybody know we have this theater in Maryland Hall?" So I kept volunteering, and then they put the word out that they were going to hire an executive director, and I threw my hat in the ring right away. So I think it's this hidden jewel. I really do. We just don't want it to be hidden anymore. I hear you there. And, and you know, I will say that 
and I don't want to give all the credit to Gavin Buckley, but Mayor Buckley has done a wonderful job as far as expanding the arts in this mm -hmm. town. Mm -hmm. And I know he had nothing to do with the hiring of Jackie Coleman here at Maryland Hall. I think she's absolutely wonderful in some of the changes and everything else that she's done. But you look at the public art that's been out in the city, and it all started with the the mural on, his, on the front of his restaurant. Uh, it's, it's just wonderful. And Annapolis is really getting a name uh, as as an arts town, which I think is really very exciting because, uh, you know, and I, I've spoken with the Arts Council. I've talked with April several times and Marilyn Hall uses the tag, you know, the hall is home and art for everyone and everything else. And and that is so true because it does cross all sorts of boundaries. It crosses racial, it crosses gender, it crosses socioeconomic. It's, you know, there is nobody in the world, unless you particularly don't care for that production or that painting or, you know, that sculpture or whatever it is. They can't appreciate art. That's why I, I laud you guys for everything that that you're doing here. Um, but you know, and Maryland Hall's like a like a big a big pond or lake or something, and 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 all the artists who are participating, all the people who take the classes, all the people who come to the events, they're all like swimming around in this lake. If you try to do your own lake, it's very hard because you basically don't have much room, and there's only you in there. So it's maybe not a great analogy, but the analogy I make is that the more people that come here, the more it develops, the more, for example, with, with publicity, it's, it's a natural thing. Now we say we're at Maryland Hall. Everybody knows where it is. Yeah. You know, sure. and, and it's not like we used to be performing up down at the graduate hotel. Half the people couldn't find it. You know, I mean, it was, the lows. Like, you, know, <laughs> you say the lows, you say the graduate, nobody knows where it is. People, you know, get very confused and we have a pretty good base of audience and patrons and members. And you just say to them, we're at Maryland Hall. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why it's such a great home for us because of that. Well, it is the space is actually ideal. And uh, I've been to several smaller events and discussions and lectures prior to you guys taking over the space. But um, for those that are unaware, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably about 40 or 50 foot wide and probably 100 feet deep. So it's a very intimate type of an atmosphere when you see a production here at Compass Rose Theater. You know, you're probably, you're probably three or four inches away from being in the play. <laughs> yeah, well, we we had um, we had a space over on West Street briefly. Well, it wasn't really brief; it was five years, but we were able to use the height of the space. But when we did Cats as a musical there, mm -hmm. the actors were as far as close as Barbara and me to the audience. The audience, and in one scene, I directed them to come down on their stomachs because they're cats, and they came down on their stomachs. And they were nose to nose. And we always sat the kids in the front. So it was <laughs> that's a awesome. huge hit. And that's the kind of intimacy we were after here. So when we found this space, uh, Marilyn Hall was very generous to us uh, with allowing us to build a stage and, and a backdrop sets and now platform. And now we're kind of like maybe going to do some risers, which was very much something we needed to do. So it's growing. But I would think of talking about it as a, 75 to 80 seat house. It fits about 75 to 80 people. And and I will say there's something about seeing a production. Now let's, I mean, you're not putting on Hamilton. Uh, not yet. Not yet. We'll give it some time. We'll see. I'll see how we can adapt that I to a, uh, adapt that to a small theater. There. <laughs> um, 
but you know, there's something to be said about seeing something in a small theater as opposed to the main hall, which is what six hundred and eighty or seven hundred, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. yeah. feet, and you know that goes to the production too. I mean, you know, you you can build a small set and you and and it speaks to your creativity to be able to make a big name production work in a real small place. I mean, you've got to you've got to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah, I think people were shocked we did The Wizard of Oz. Lucinda is just so creative. She knew how to build the stage so the munchkins could pop out. And, you know, we had 10 people on a small stage and we were selling out. It was just a fabulous show. It and that was a perfect example of the young people acting alongside the professional actors mm -hmm. and getting a great experience. It was, a, it was a beautiful cast and very well received. The governor liked it and his <laughs> wife liked it, so that's pretty good. <laughs> now, Barbara, you're not biased or prejudiced on that at all because maybe Toto? Toto, yes. <laughs> this is funny. You know what? When I when it came to come, I was like box officing. And then I and I said, well, I you know I have PR background 20 years in DC working for all these, you know, hoo-hahs and famous people. I'll lend my PR expertise. And next thing you know, we're doing Wizard of Oz and Oh, I'll sure I'll help with this. I'll help with that. And I, in, in my back pocket is, oh my gosh, my kid has the perfect Toto. Do I tell anyone? <laughs> so I did. I did. So Toto was a, a smash hit. He was a great little actor. Well, on our brochure, as you see, the reason we picked this picture is because Toto is looking directly at the camera. Right. Born to be on stage. Exactly. I mean, he literally is looking at that camera. It's amazing to me. And anybody who wants to see that could look at our brochure and they'll see what I'm talking about. CompassRoseTheater.org. What is the best way to support the Compass Rose Theater? I mean, the obvious thing is to come up here to the third floor at Maryland Hall, 801 Chase Street, plenty of free parking. You don't need to worry about that hassle or anything like that. And attend one of the wonderful shows. You've mentioned members yeah, so we have a season membership, which we just announced, and that's open until October 1st. So you basically get a discount on all of the tickets to all four shows. You get a discount. You get preferred seating. We have partnerships with local businesses and restaurants to get a discount. Or we're looking forward to instituting our dinner and a show programs. That means we have to go start calling our restaurant friends and saying, hey, what day do you want to do dinner and a show? Right. So, um, yeah, and our members, you know, they're very loyal. They were saying, when is it? When can we sign up? When can we do that? So anyway, it's live now on the website and uh, we hope people will sign up and be part of us. Very cool. You can buy individual tickets too. I'm sure yes, shows, absolutely. Obviously. Uh, you are a nonprofit. So yes, we're 501c3. So anyone who wants to give us a donation, uh, we would be very grateful to receive. There's a bucket right outside the front door. You can just leave all of your money right there. We always make it known, but it's interesting what Barb is saying about the members because and the loyalty of the members. During COVID, we were concerned that we lost, you know, that people sure, just fell away from it. But they've pretty much all come back. And some of them weren't able to because of other considerations. But what I was going to say about this is that we started talking about community at the beginning of this conversation. And the community of theater includes not just the actors and the audience, but all the other people that support theater and that participate in theater. And it, there's just so many levels of interaction. Uh, it's very different from sports. Sports have become extraordinarily popular. Yeah. Um, also very competitive. Sure. Um, but in theater, everyone's building towards, uh, towards a, a creative product, uh, an art form, shall we say. Uh, unlike a game that's, you know, you play and you're over. 
uh, it's, it's something that you build towards. And it's a community of like-minded people who are all intensely creative. And I just... Mm -hmm. intensely creative on every level. Yeah. So we want our members to become part of the Compass Rose community. And, you know, this is why we offer e extra things for the members to, to participate in post-show discussions and things like that, where they can have conversations with actors and increase the, deepen that community. That's wonderful. I mean, it's funny because you talked about your friendships with the other theaters and stuff like that. And I have heard many actors uh, and I'll say producers and people that are associated with the various theaters, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just say something like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that Annapolis Summer Garden Theater is doing X show. Mm -hmm. I've got to get down and see it. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, oh my gosh, Compass Rose is putting on The Wizard of Oz. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's going to be awesome in that little room. What's, you know, how how do we, you know, do that? Uh, and and that's really, you know, brings the glue of the arts community back together in, in Annapolis. I think it really does. Do you use volunteers? Yes. Oh boy! Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, <laughs> I think I got Barbara. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting. We did the summer camps. Uh, ran all summer through Maryland Hall. It was really week long programs. Different, create a play, play production, improvisation. Which we also do these classes at Maryland Hall starting in September and then again in November. Um, but in any case, some of our former students contacted us. Like, can we be? A, can we be an intern at the summer camps? And we said sure. And I thought, how many? organizations can say this student came to our class, learned from us and came back as a college student to say, can I volunteer? So that's, and we had two of them. Mm -hmm. And then one wrote this beautiful article about it and why he got involved in theater, um, you know, to meet girls. Uh, you know, which is fine. <laughs> it's legitimate. It's a very, very touching article about- I heard that about ballet guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so it's so nice. And the other thing that I noticed about the volunteers is and some of the parents will say, you know, my child is neurodivergent. They might need this support. And we're like, great. Theater welcomes everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone is welcome here. There is a place for everyone. And and you, you mentioned neurodivergent and stuff like that. I know that I've seen some instances where. Uh, well, I. There's a gentleman that uh, does broadcasting for the Bowie Bay Sox, and uh, he has Asperger's. And personally, you sit there and you talk to him and outside of the microphones or any kind of videos, and and it becomes obvious that there's, you know, that he's, he's, he's dealing with Asperger's. You put a microphone in front of him and you put a video camera in front of him. And, and, and it's a different person. Mm -hmm. And 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 I know it's not arts. I mean, we talked about it as sports, but it is, you know, it is it is an art to be able to broadcast like that. And I mean, it's, it's just absolutely amazing when I see that, you know, Matt, I mean, it, you know, there's a little bit of awkwardness one on one as we're walking down the hallway. But it's like, well, yes, my, my favorite time of broadcasting was in one. You know, <laughs> he goes right on and on, which is which is fantastic. But there is a home for everybody in the arts community and certainly uh Hundred percent, and I think theater is beyond learning your acting skills. You're building confidence. You're building the ability to have public speaking capabilities. You're learning how to work in an ensemble. Um, maybe you're not an onstage person, so you're helping with the lights, or you're helping with the costumes or the props. So I think there's a place for everybody. Mm -hmm. True. Well, let's talk about your season, which is getting ready to open up, and you guys run pretty much all year round, right? Yes, except for the summer, generally speaking, we do student shows in the summer, not okay. professional shows. In right, the summer. everybody goes to the beach. Like so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in Annapolis, everybody's on their boat. <laughs> true, true, true. 
True. Um, but your first show of the season is opening up in September, and that's called Sylvia? Sylvia. It's a very, very funny comedy about a man facing a midlife crisis that decides to adopt a stray dog, brings him home, and his wife says, what? <laughs> so, and it's played by a human. So you see a person portraying a dog and their relationship with the man and their relationship with the wife and their relationship with the best friend and the psychiatrist and one actor. Plays of course, there's three a psychiatrist. Of course, <laughs> anybody bringing home very a dog. Fun. And a, very funny. It's very funny. And, and Lucinda actually directed this years ago. I did. I directed it at Bay Theater. Yeah. Oh, wow. A long, long time ago. It's a very ago, popular yeah. show. And Estelle Miller is our director. And she directed it many moons ago in Bowie. So um, I'm real excited. The, uh, the cast is very talented. It'll open at the end of September and run through the end of October. Yeah. Now, how, how long do you rehearse and prepare for this? I mean, uh, having directed it before, you obviously know a little bit more than coming into this cold. But I mean, how long does it take to prepare to, for that opening night? Frankly, I think it depends on the director. The director knows what their timeline is. Generally speaking, because we pay our actors, we don't have as long a rehearsal period in general as as many of the community theaters because they rehearse like three times a week. Um, I will tell you, as a director myself, my rule of thumb is 27 rehearsals that are about four and a half hours long, five hours long. So that number of hours, I feel I can create a play in that length of time. Other directors need longer. Some directors need shorter. But we have budgets for this theater. And sure. what, the thing I didn't mention earlier is that people, I shouldn't say people. We don't know who these people are. But it is, uh, it is not generally known that professional theaters are no different from any other business. And they have to pay staff. And they have to pay accountants. And they have to pay insurance. And they have to pay rent. And all of these things, with the volunteer theater, you have a volunteer staff. With a professional theater, you have to pay salaries and you have to come up with money. So I always tell people, if you want to get involved in professional theater, know that about 90% of your job is not making a play. It's going to be going to be the back end it's of the, going the to be business. The whole back end. Well, well, it is a business. And, it is a and, business. And, and, and your, pro your product is your production. There. So my point is, as part of the budget... You have to stipulate how many weeks of rehearsal and you have to figure out what the actors are getting paid, which is negotiated, generally speaking, except equity pay is, is mm -hmm. standard. But um, how many you know, how many rehearsals can I pay this person for? You know, how much rehearsal can I get right. done? You know, and some directors work much faster. I've done plays in two weeks, you know, because I had two equity actors. I was paying them a lot of money. And it was on them to do a really good job. So, okay. <laughs> so really, enough. that's yeah. an interesting question because I think it really does. I think Estella started for the longer rehearsal period, mm -hmm. much longer than what I would generally do. But the product is all that really matters. Sure. And you start early and then you can, you don't want to peak too soon, you, you know, you, but you want to be ready. Uh, and it really does. I mean, it takes a lot of work. We think about it, if you've never been involved in theater and you see someone acting, you probably have no idea everything that went into that performance, you know, knowing the lines and knowing the blocking and getting the right costume and getting the right props and getting the right set and having a director can say, hmm, that didn't look right. Let's try that another way. You know, we don't just jump up there and say, okay, let's do a show. <laughs> well, that's, that's the good part about the audience, anyhow, is that we don't know your vision as a director. Okay. So 
when something screws up, we don't necessarily know about it. You can be in the back in the wings cringing and going, that was wrong. That was wrong. I know I was talking to Nicole Kelsch with the ballet and she said the same thing. I said, you know, what happens when somebody screws up? And she says, oh, it happens all the time. We just, you know, we hit the floor, we move on. And <laughs> well, you know, this is so funny because I was the drama director at Archbishop Spalding. It's hard to say all that okay. uh, high school for uh, six years. And I'll never forget it because I directed these kids uh, in West Side Story. And the musical accompaniment was a, was a, a recorded soundtrack. And we hired somebody to operate the soundtrack and all that. And everything was great. And then the show was really, you know, was a lovely show. It was an excellent show with all high schoolers, you know. Yeah. And I rehearsed with them for 10 weeks because they're high schoolers. And I wanted them to really know everything. Uh I think it was not opening night, but the night after, they were in the middle of one of the huge production numbers. I think it might have been the opening. Um, and everybody was on stage and the music stopped completely. Oh, no. And they were mid-song, mid-note. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there was, there was just a second. And I'm sitting in the back chewing off all my fingernails and they resumed they did the entire rest of the sh of the show with no music totally high schoolers high fantastic schoolers. and they didn't miss a beat and one of those the kid that was playing tony is now on broadway darren bigot and there are other kids that were involved one of them was the uh uh she she, she teaches theater uh, I'm trying to think. She went to Frostburg for theater. Anyway, th those kids went on to do a lot of theater. That's awesome. Because they love that experience, right? That's great. So That's great. We all have our war stories, which are, I think, <laughs> half the fun of it, really. Well, and the thing is, is that I think if 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 part, that's why you do improv, you, you have to yeah. roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. True, you know. true. What comes after Sylvia? That's After Sylvia. And that, that's in uh, November, right? You've got November 10th, INU by Lauren Gunderson, which is a beautiful piece about relationships. It's teenagers, actually. So with, the schools are actually going to all come out and see it in, in mass numbers, which is very exciting. I think it'll be fun for them to see two teenagers on stage. They, they're young adults, but they look like teenagers. Very talented. One actress from New York and one from um, Northern Maryland. And there's a surprise ending. And I can't give it away. Okay, so that's a tease. Yeah, that's what that is right there. Surprise ending, yes. But you open with Caroline being in her bedroom, and a young man walks in, scares her to death, and he says, "We have an English assignment to complete." And she says, "What are you doing here?" And she says, "I'm sick. I'm not. You know, I can't go to school." And so the entire play is in her room. Following that, you got the gin game. The gin game. See now, I, now these are the three that I don't know. I know that you're you're closing out your season with the Music Man, and I do know that ambitious, one. Ambitious, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the Gin Game is is a story of two uh, residents in a retirement home playing a game of gin, and as they play this game, uh, their lives are revealed, and it, it's extraordinarily, um, it's 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 a very how do I say it? It's um. It's the kind of humor that's sophisticated. Okay, it's a, I would call it a, a darker comedy, but it's ex, it's very very funny, um, and that has already been cast. Uh, two uh, equity actors from Annapolis, uh, one of them Janet Luby, who was the co-founder sure. of Bay Theater with me, 
Janet Luby is playing the woman and Jim Chance, who is also, uh, he played Tartuffe in Tartuffe at Bay Theater. These are people that I know and have worked okay. with in the past. And they're being directed by Rick Wade. Okay. So it's a whole local professional, you know, melding of the minds. And it's going to be a, a compelling show. It really is. It's going to be really interesting. Okay. So now you talked me into the first three. I mean, Music Man, I don't think I need to be talked into. But with Sylvia, that sounds absolutely hysterical. I and you... You know, you've got a surprise ending that I've got to see now. That's been teased. And the gin game, actually, I was, I was sort of uh, channeling my mother before she had passed away because she loved to play cards with her oh, friends. Okay. And in her, uh, you know, the senior home that she lived in before she passed away. And uh, and I, I bet you that would probably be a very and I, I do like uh, dark, subtle humor. So that's. Uh, was it yeah. Jessica Tandy that was in Jessica that? Tandy and Hume Cronin created the roles okay. uh, on Broadway. Um and I directed it, I can't remember the date, but I directed it at the Bay Theater uh, with two other actors, uh, one of whom is, interestingly, he died soon after doing that show. Because it's for people who are, you know, the actors are, sure, are, are older. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. But it, it's, it, was a, it was a really great production, and it, it's going to be a really good production now. And then next spring, uh, gosh, I can't believe we're talking 2024, right? Right. <laughs> but you've got uh, Music Man. And that sort of wraps up your season for the year, right? Directed by Lucinda herself. Yes, indeed. Going in with my boots on again. Awesome. Because it's a it's a very large cast, again, incorporates children with professional adults. And we have an extraordinary music director who played Wizard of Oz, played on a piano, but he added percussion and he added some horn effects and he added sound effects from the play. He was marvelous. So he's returning to help me be the one, be the band. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> It'll be the band. Man. So that'll be great. And we'll, um, I think it's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be differently staged. It, it won't be the traditional music band staging. Well, it, ha it has to be, I think, by necessity with the way that your theater is laid out. And, uh... and just to let you know, um, they say creativity gets uh, richer and richer the more you reduce and sacrifice the you know, more limitations you place upon it. Mm -hmm. So it does force you to do make choices, staging choices and other choices in a smaller space. But just to be clear, we do not need for Compass Roast, it's not our mission to be in a small space. That is not the mission of the theater. Okay. okay. We're not we're not doing that by design. Right. We're doing that out of necessity. That's, so well that, well, that makes moving sense. forward into the future, not that we would do this tomorrow or anytime in, in the near future, but it's we're not uh, married to the idea of doing small spaces. Then question for you, Lucinda, what, what is in a perfect world? Uh, what, what's your dream for Compass Rose Theater? Where, where is Compass Rose Theater? How large is it? Who are you performing for? Where are you here in Annapolis? Well, it's my interest. My, in <laughs> my answer may surprise you. My vision for Compass Rose Theater is that it's someone else's vision. My vision for Compass Rose Theater is to move on to the next generation. Okay. Because the future of the theater lies in the children, the patrons, people like Barbara. That's the future of Compass Rose Theater. It's not my future to call. Sounds, like a, Louis, sounds like a Louis Armstrong song. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? I believe the children are. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that Louis Armstrong? Anyway, um, so the point is, is that uh, I have, I would love to see Compass Rose flourish and become more established and have uh, a more uh, secure, you know, a secure financial future. 
I think that there are some incredible productions that I personally would like to direct. I want to continue to act and direct with Compass Rose. But I think that the board of directors and Barbara need to craft the next plan, shall we say, or vision or whatever. I don't. I think the mission is the mission. I don't think that should change. But I think how the mission is accomplished may change. And I've already seen some wonderful, exciting changes that I had. I didn't even think. I didn't even think of them. Well, that's that's the greatest <laughs> yeah. thing in the world is when you do get fresh, fresh blood, fresh meat, whatever you want to call it, into the mix. You get those. Well, I never thought about that. Like you know, I mean, and a friend of mine that does some public speaking says, you know, because we're nothing but the old and crusties. That's what we think. We think we we think the old way, the old crusty way. We don't think about the new exciting ways to do it. Um, and we're missing out when we don't do that, I think. Yeah. And, and if you take a look at the theaters around the country, it's all about passing it on. It's about if if they have been around a while, they've, they're they around because someone was willing to pass it on. And the people that have hung on tight and tried to stay and tried to make it their vision into their 90s, those theaters are gone. Most of them. Yeah. That's so that. it's very smart, I think, and a very good choice for our board of directors to have hired Barbara. And moving into the future, we'll see what happens. We just don't know. Fantastic. Well, we have learned an awful lot about Compass Rose Theater, and that's, again, compassrosetheater.org. We do know about Broadway. We do know about London's West End. Where's your favorite place to see a production or a play or a musical? New York. Is it New York? It's only New York. Do you have? Well, I love New York. I also love the Hippodrome. (laughs) <laughs> I love the Hippodrome. It's a beautiful building. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I love theater here. I love theater here because it surprises me every time, the level of talent, the level of commitment, and the feeling of community. To me, it's home. And I just want more people to be able to come home. How do we buy tickets? We can buy them at compassrosetheater.org. Um, can we you know, come in and see if there is a seat available on a production evening and buy, is there a box? Can we buy them in the box office? Can we buy them on the phone? You could walk in. Sure. I would do it early in a run because we do tend to sell out. That's all I say about that. Yeah. So we have Friday night, Saturday night and Sunday matinees for most shows for the musicals. We also have Saturday matinees. So yeah. That's fantastic. At your own risk to walk in, but you're welcome to. Right, right. <laughs> and and your office is up here on the third floor of Maryland Hall, just adjacent to the theater, right? It is. And that doubles as a, as a dressing room a little bit. Dressing room, storage room, office, hangout, be cool. Yep. And, t- and today it's a recording studio, so it's a multi-purpose. Uh, well, I am looking forward to some of these productions. Again, Sylvia gets underway in September. You've got INU in November. January sees the gin game and then March music man at Compass Rose Theater at Maryland Hall. Plenty of free parking. Again, compassrosetheater.org is the best place to learn more, right? And auditions for the music man before the end of the year. So stay Mm -hmm. tuned. Yeah. In December, we're auditioning music man. So yet another teaser. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for your time this morning. We thank you for your time. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.